0: All right, we'll grab a seat and turn to Luke chapter seven. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here uh, for so many different reasons. I'm thankful uh, for uh, Pastor Chapel for his faith, for his vision, uh, his courage uh, in uh, opening up uh, in person uh, this semester. And uh, I know all of us have had different hoops to jump through because of it, uh, but for so many different reasons, uh, getting to be here, getting to share moments like this uh, together in person, Uh, certainly makes it all worth it. And we're uh, so thankful for that, Uh, thankful for Dr. Getch and for so many others uh, as part of this team uh, that have uh, really just given their all uh, to be able to provide this opportunity. And uh, you can't uh, have the same kind of chapel experience uh, online. Uh, You can't have uh, the same collegiate experience online. For some collegians, that might not be a terrible thing, but hey, there's always next year, right? You can't rise from the ashes as a phoenix if you don't start off in the ashes, so it's all uphill from here, and I uh, appreciate all of the work uh, that's gone into uh, this program and so many other things uh, from our team here, and uh, excited about uh, what God has, even over the last couple days of this semester, and uh, certainly uh, in the spring as well. Luke chapter 7, we see this story here. And there's a couple of different characters uh, in this uh, story. There's a couple of different characters that that we can see here. And uh, it reminds me of uh, one experience I had uh, during college. Uh, I was never uh, particularly good at different uh, dramatic uh, opportunities or endeavors or anything like that. But uh, one semester, I figured, you know what? I'm going to try out for the College Days drama. I'm going to see if I can uh, be a part of this. And uh, went to wherever in Revels Dr. Getch uh, was having tryouts, and I don't even remember what I said or what I did. I just read the script, and uh, somehow I got one of the parts. And as Dr. Getch always uh, writes these plays, and I don't know how he comes up with all of them or how he puts it together, but there's usually a Bible side uh, and a modern side, and I was on the Bible side of it. And it was the story of Peter and how Peter went from uh, a fisherman to uh, someone who betrayed Jesus to ultimately being a faithful martyr for the cause. Well, I definitely wasn't Peter that year. I was one of the other disciples, one of the uh, other Christians that Peter was mentoring, that he was investing in, that he was discipling, which was cool. But I was one of the disciples in that last, uh, the second to last scene, I guess, where the Roman soldiers uh, burst in, arrested Peter, and dragged him out of there to crucify him. And I'm looking at the script, and basically, I was just supposed to back off and not do anything. I'm just supposed to let them take Peter. And so this raised a couple of questions for me. Number one, they say Dr. Getch always typecasts. And I don't know what that means about me. Am I the kind of person that would just let Peter be crucified? Like, So that, that raised some insecurity there or something like that. But then I was like, well, you know, uh, maybe I'm supposed to, uh, you know, try to defend him a little bit more. I'm supposed to, you know, be a little bit more protective. This is the Apostle Peter. I'm not just going to let him get killed. So I go to Dr. Getch after uh, drama practice one night, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm good with my role, and I, it was really convincing. I'm, I'm good with this, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like the disciples would have, would have tried to protect him a little bit more. He's like, no, I think we're just going to go with this. All right, thanks, Dr. Getch. So we're, uh, we're practicing, and, and we get to probably Monday night or something like that. We've got dress rehearsal, and because I'm Bible-side character, I've just you know got some robe on. And, uh, but the good part wasn't this big, flowy robe, because amen for the 21st century. The good part was uh, that I was one of the characters uh, that, uh, in the course of this, with it being kind of the Bible-side of it, the first-century side of it, I got to have a beard, right? So Dr. Getch is just kind of gluing this, this beard onto my face with whatever kind of actor's glue they use to hold it through the whole thing. And he kind of took a step back, and he said maybe the nicest thing he's ever said to me. He kind of looks back, and he's like, you'd look good with a beard. And that was it. We didn't say anything else. Inside, I was just like, yes! But, you know, I was, I've got to play it cool. Got to keep it together. But as much as I appreciate all of uh, the very kind, very gracious things that he just said, I just still don't know if that measures up to, hey, you look good with a beard, so <laughs> Christmas break is going to be great, not just for the uh, opportunity that you all have to, to be able to go home, get some sleep, right, kind of level up from the two hours or whatever you're getting right now, uh, but certainly, hopefully, uh, a great time of being able to work and see the Lord provide, being able to spend time uh, with family and with friends and to celebrate uh, the season of Thanksgiving, ultimately, uh, for God's uh, best and most precious gift, uh, the gift of his Son, but as we look at this story here, as we look at Luke chapter 7, here at the end of the chapter, really from verse 36 all the way down, if Jesus was to write a, a drama, if Jesus was to write a play about this story, and he was to typecast you, who would you be in the story? We know you wouldn't be Jesus because none of us would be. But we see here in this story, verse 36, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Hey, one of the Pharisees asked, Hey, Jesus, can you come over to my house for dinner? He went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Hey, her whole identity uh, was her sinful lifestyle. The Bible doesn't specify for us, but... Given the phrasing, given the context, we we could probably make an educated guess that this was uh, potentially a a harlot, potentially someone living this kind of immoral lifestyle. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. And this is certainly a a central character and uh, there's a dramatic entrance here in this story. But the main character in this story probably isn't this woman. The main character in this story is probably the Pharisee Simon. At least the way that Jesus tells it and what he focuses on. And and frankly, many more of us might find ourselves from Jesus' perspective, typecast as this Pharisee, than we might like to think. Over the next couple minutes, we're going to be looking at this passage, and we're going to uh, be asking ourselves the question of who we would be in this story, because you might be a Pharisee if you have some of the symptoms that we can see in this passage. Now, we've probably heard different you-might-be-such-and-so-if, different jokes. One of the teen workers in the youth group where I grew up, he one year he had a you-might-be-a-redneck-if calendar. And there was just like one of those daily calendars, and you see the different thing each day. You might be a redneck if your house has more wheels than your car, and different things like that. Hey, you might be a redneck if uh, you've got too much sweet tea in your life or something like that, or your favorite initials are the NRA and the SEC. But you might be a Pharisee if some of these symptoms in this passage strike close to home. So we're going to ask the Lord today to to do a little bit of campus clear in our lives. Uh, We're going to ask the Lord today to to check out our lives for some symptoms. uh, To check out our lives to see if there's any of these uh, red flags that we might see that he might show us that he wants to take care of. In our lives. Now, two quick uh, things that we're going to mention before we get started. First of all, uh, the title of this message is "You might be a Pharisee if, not he might be a Pharisee if, not she might be a Pharisee if." Hey, if God wants to apply this to one of your friends' lives, he he can do that just fine. Hey, we're talking about me, we're talking about you, we're not talking about well my roommate this and uh, well my dorm mate that. We're talking about our lives. And secondly, as we look at this, a, being a Pharisee is not about uh, falling short of what we try to be. Man, all of us mess up. Uh, James chapter 3, it says, Hey, brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. And sometimes that just sums up our lives, right? Sometimes we feel like we're just kind of stumbling through a day and man, it feels like everything I touch just kind of gets messed up. We've all been there. But being a Pharisee is not about failing, because all of us do at times, but it's about living a lifestyle of faking. So let the Lord do some campus clear in your life. I pray the Lord does some, some campus clear, checks out for some symptoms of being a Pharisee here as we look at this chapter. Hey, you might be a Pharisee. If you're quick to judge... And slow to justify. If you're quick to judge and you're slow to justify, hey, it's easy for you to see everyone else's flaws and it's really tough for you to give the benefit of the doubt because we see this sinful woman here in verse 37. And she shows up at the Pharisee's house, and this wouldn't have been shocking. Oftentimes people would gather around the houses of uh, the rich, the famous, the powerful, the influential, the leading figures of the community, if they had a feast, and uh, to see who uh, the guests were, right? Uh, Just kind of doing people watching. People watching is fantastic. You can do it uh, in your normal life. You can do it in activities. You can do it all the time, right? People watching is great. And so, hey, some people are gathering around, doing some people watching here at uh, Simon's house while Jesus is there. Hey, we've heard about Jesus, the traveling rabbi. Hey, we know that Simon is one of the leaders in our town, so people are there. But this lady doesn't just stay outside and look in, but uh, she comes into the party. And from the Pharisee's side, uh, she pretty much ruins it. Imagine if you are having uh, a distinguished guest over to your house, maybe you're having uh, your pastor over for dinner, and some random person just busts into the house, just sobbing, uh, breaks some ointment on a pastor's feet, uh, starts uh, wiping his feet with her hair. Hey, that's just a really weird mood at a party. Hopefully that doesn't happen at your Thanksgiving. Uh, So uh, she's there, and the Bible tells us that she's a sinner, and Simon's problem isn't even that he's wrong. Look at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And we talked about this a a little bit uh, during ladies' conference in the men's session here. Hey, if it's really easy for you to see the minute flaws of others and to miss gigantic blind spots of your own, hey, you you might be a Pharisee. Now, this Pharisee is correct. She was a sinner. Hey, number one, all of us are. And number two, her lifestyle was riddled with sin, was marked by sin, was defined by sin. Hey, it's easy for us to look at uh, the roommates or the classmates, the, uh, our friends, and say, hey, this is, an, man, this is an issue for them. Hey, my roommate is annoying because of this. My roommate thinks he's always right, and I'm actually always right, so he can't be. Hey, uh, my sweet mate, man, I can hear their alarm every single morning. I don't know why they turn on their alarm for 5 a.m., and they don't get up till 7.30. Come on, man. Hey, uh, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, hey, uh, they don't meet my needs enough. They don't care about my needs. They just want me to care about their needs first. And I don't, I don't get what's up with that. My needs deserve to be met first. And for every criticism that we might be able to have of someone else, hey, there's probably some truth in those things. But if it's so easy for us to see everybody else's flaws, if we love pointing them out, if we're so quick to identify them, without ever giving someone else the benefit of the doubt, without ever uh, trusting what God can do through them, without looking towards their future that God wants to grow them into instead of just where they're at right this minute. You might be a Pharisee. might be one of the symptoms God wants to check out. Hey, you might be a Pharisee if your language doesn't match your life. Now when the Pharisee, Simon, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, verse 39, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, hey, if this guy was really all that he said he was, if he's really this great rabbi, this great teacher, this great spiritual authority, man, he would have known what kind of person this sinful woman is. And Jesus answering said unto him, man, <laughs> Jesus knows his thoughts, he sees right through him." Hey Simon, I got somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, "Oh, Master, say on." Hey, just a second before in his mind, man, I don't think this guy's who he's cracked up to be. Hey, I don't uh, this this Jesus person. And Jesus starts, "Oh, Master, tell me, tell me what you want me to hear. Uh, show me what you want me to see. Uh, give me wisdom. Give me insight, Jesus, Master." In other words, the Daskalos, it's this idea of an esteemed teacher. Teach me something, Jesus. When just a second before, man, I don't don't really think he's all that. Uh, Just one chapter before in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do the things that I say. Hey, do you call Jesus the Lord of your life because he's actually the Lord of your life? Or because it's a cool phrase and we know it sounds good? Hey, do we do you call Jesus your best friend because he's actually your best friend or because it sounds super spiritual? And we know that we're supposed to sound super spiritual. Hey, Simon, he can call him master. Hey, he can give him a, a title of respect. He he can talk great about who God is and, and and who Jesus is. And man, he probably would get an A plus in homiletics, but all the things he can talk about doesn't match who he actually is. You can get up in dorm devotions as a dorm soup, and, and you can and talk about living a holy life. You can talk about obeying authority. You can do all of these things. And you can write people demerits when they don't match up to the rules that authority has given them. But you know what you listen to when you're off campus. You know what you look at on your phone late at night. I, I can get into a teaching class and I can talk about this and I can talk about that and I can preach a great message and I can be a finalist in the preaching contest last year and I can do whatever, but my language, what I say about Jesus, who I say I think Jesus is, doesn't match my actual life. You might be a Pharisee. Hey, you might be a Pharisee if you've forgotten how much you've been forgiven. Hey, Jesus says, hey, let me tell you a story, man. There's a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Uh, 500 pennies, not that bad, right, in America, but a pence is a full day's work. Loosely, let's just say about $100 or so, depending on what minimum wage is where you're working, right? Hey, so let's just say that one person is in the hole $50,000. The other is in the hole $5,000. And both of them are flat broke. when they had nothing to pay, verse 42. They had absolutely nothing that they could do. They didn't have any funds they could scrape together. Uh, There was no debtor uh, student's assistance fund back then. There was no one they could... Man, they're just out. One guy's $50,000 in the hole. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore... Which of them will love him most? Well, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou is rightly judged. So what Jesus says is the, the depth of gratitude is based on the amount of one's forgiveness. Now we know that all of us have been forgiven greatly, But the practical question for us, then, is how much do you feel like you've been forgiven? How conscious are you of your need for forgiveness and how much Jesus actually did to forgive you? Because if I feel like, you know, I mean, I I had to get forgiven some, but, you know, I, I showed up to Awanas, and yeah, that didn't mean that I was on my way to heaven, but, I mean, I wasn't that bad. And you know what? I went to an independent Baptist church growing up, and no, that couldn't get me to heaven, but, you know, I didn't need as much help as some other people. Uh, God forbid I was, you know, like a Democrat or something like that. (sighs) Would have really needed a whole bunch of grace then. But you know what? I grew up in a conservative Christian family in a conservative Baptist church and uh, wore conservative Christian clothes and listened to conservative Christian music, and I needed a little bit of help to get to heaven. But you know, I was, I wasn't doing terrible. Hey, we can see here in this story, both servants are in debt. Both servants had nothing to pay, nothing that they could do, and both servants were undeservingly forgiven. So, if you think of yourself as someone who's only five thousand in the hole, or maybe only you know, maybe only like fifty dollars in the hole. Hey, it's not that bad. Hey, if uh, you uh, borrow your roommate's car, you run down to Walmart and they say, hey, can you just toss a couple of dollars of gas in? That'd be great. And you forget, maybe a week later, you, you remember, oh man, I can't believe I blanked on that. And you go to your roommate, hey man, I'm, uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to put $3 of gas in the car. I'm like, hey, it, it's fine, it, it's good. Hey man, I, I appreciate that. But it's $3. Hey, if you've got a, a school bill Right? That, that maybe you've been looking for work this semester, you've been trying to find work this semester, and just for whatever reason it hasn't worked out, and somebody anonymously sends you $5,000 in the mail. Hey, before you had nothing, uh, you, didn't, you didn't have the money to be, maybe be able to pay for three bucks of gas. Now you didn't have money to pay for $5,000 of your school bill, but one of them is more likely to get posted about on social media. One of them's more likely to give you a buzz that keeps going for the rest of the day. One of them's more likely for you to uh, mention as a praise the next time someone asks for praises or prayer requests. Because, hey, three bucks, not not that bad. $5,000, that's huge. Hey, do you think of yourself as only needing $3 of forgiveness? Or do you think of yourself... The man, the Bible says I was an enemy of God in my mind by wicked works. I was separated from God. I I was without hope and without God in this world. There's a chasm separating me from salvation, and Jesus bridged that for me. And if that's amazing, and you realize how much you've been forgiven, and you think about that, and you bring it to mind, then we're on the right track. But if that's just kind of something that we only maybe think about at Easter services, or if there's a really good chapel special... And you might be a Pharisee. Hey, you might be a Pharisee if you do just enough for Jesus to check off the boxes. He, he turned unto the woman, Jesus here, verse 44, and said unto Simon, Hey, seeest thou this woman? Um, Jesus, just to get this question clear. You're asking me if I see the harlot who's sobbing on your feet in the middle of my feast at my house. I, I do actually see her. Yes, Jesus, yes, I do see that woman. Thank you for asking. I, I have noticed her as well, Jesus. We, I would like her to leave now, actually. That, that, that would be great. Hey, seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. She's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Hey, thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head with oil, thou it is not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Now, from 21st century American perspective, Jesus saying, hey, I showed up at your house, and you didn't splash my feet with water. You didn't kiss me, and you didn't pour oil on my head. To us, that's three for three. If I'm going over to someone else's house, I don't really want them rubbing my feet. I don't really want them pouring oil on my head. And I definitely don't want them kissing me, right? So this is, this is pretty good here, all in all. But in the culture of this day, if you're walking around on dusty, dirty seats in sandals all day, hey, it's, a, it's a, a sign of hospitality. Of course you're going to wash the guests' feet. Hey, uh, you're at home now here. Hey, welcome to my house. We want to make your time here comfortable. A kiss was just a a normal greeting. Hey, there's cultures even today where a kiss is just a normal greeting. This isn't anything weird. This isn't anything awkward. This is just a sign of, hey, I'm so thankful that you're here. Hey, I appreciate you. You're my friend. Uh, Verse 46, my head with oil thou didst not anoint. Well, uh, anointing someone with oil was a, a mark of a special position in the Old Testament, right? Hey, kings would get anointed with oil. And so, while you wouldn't uh, put a whole horn of oil on someone's head, hey, just a little dab of oil was this kind of picture of hey, to me, you are someone important. To me, you are someone I respect. It, it's an honor for me that you would come to my house. It would be if, uh, like if Abby and I were uh, having Pastor Chapel and Miss Terry over for a meal at some point. And, and we, uh, maybe it, it worked out somehow with their schedule. We said, we would love to have you over for dinner. They said, we would love to be there. The night comes. They show up at our door. They knock on the door. And I'm just, you know, chilling on the recliner in the house somewhere. And I'm like, ah, eh, door's unlocked. Come on in. I should probably not do that for Pastor. Right? I should probably get up and welcome him. I should probably uh, express gratitude that, that he would come over to, to my house and have dinner with me. And, and so Simon, hey, I'm having Jesus over for dinner. Probably having Jesus and all of his disciples over for dinner, which frankly, that's a, that's a lot of food you got to prepare. Hey, I'm, I'm doing this for Jesus. What more do you expect? But his heart isn't in it. Hey, Jesus isn't pointing this out because he's picky. He's pointing it out because he's perceptive. And Jesus knows, hey, Simon doesn't care about me Uh, it's not that important that Jesus's presence is in Simon's life hey do you welcome Jesus in your life or do you just kind of tolerate him just kind of there it's just sort of something hey I I'm thankful for different service opportunities this semester because you know let's get my collegian some points get off campus, go hit Starbucks afterwards, do whatever. Or because, man, Jesus has called me to share the good news of salvation with people around the world, to show his love to a people desperately in need of love. Hey, how much do you honestly serve Jesus? Not just serve your own Bible college reputation by being the kind of person who does good stuff. How much do you honestly serve Jesus? Because Simon, the Pharisee, he did just enough to check off the box of had Jesus over for a meal. Hey, welcome to Jesus. And Jesus says, not really. Your, Your heart's not in this. It doesn't matter to you. And at the end of this passage here, you might be a Pharisee if you don't really love Jesus. Verse 47, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, yeah, you're right, Simon. I mean, you've got a knack for finding fault with other people, but you're not wrong. She's got a whole bunch of sins are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Hey, do you love Jesus? Because you might be a Pharisee if you don't. Hey, you can be the greatest student West Coast's ever had. You can make the preaching contest final every, every year. You can have a 4.0. You can have every single person at interview days want to interview you because you're just the, the gem of this senior class. Hey, uh, you're the most dynamic collegiate leader possible. You, you do the best job in, in ministry. You've got the best bus route. You've got the best this. You've got the best that. All, everyone on faculty thinks you're just amazing and all of those other things. But do you love? jesus i mean i like him it's not it's not bad and i mean you know he did die for me to save me so that's that's a help but i mean you know it's not like i can be thinking about jesus every day hey do you read your bible because you know what i I really want to get through it this year and mathematically if i get through all these chapters it's going to take me about three a day and I really don't want to get behind in December, and I want to be able to check off read my Bible again this year. Gotta gotta pray. Been told I should have a prayer list. Gotta gotta check that one off. But then you miss a day of devotions. Yeah, oh, you know, now I gotta read extra chapters tomorrow. Ugh. Or man, I didn't I didn't get to spend time with Jesus today. Man, I wasn't around Him today. Uh, I I missed Him today. Your boyfriend or, or girlfriend doesn't pass campus clear. they got to be holed up in uh, the room or something like that. Man, I don't, get to, I don't get to be around them in chapel. I don't get to be around them at a meal. I don't get to spend time with them. Oh, yeah, and I should probably should read my Bible, I guess, as well. Hey, do you love Jesus? Is Jesus boring to you or is he beautiful? Is it just something you kind of do? Is it something I kind of do? Because if I do, then I'm Simon in this story. If I do, then I'm the Pharisee in this story. Hey, is my heart so caught up with something else that I don't honestly love Jesus anymore? Because we know all about the other stuff you love. And we know that you love Republicanism and Donald Trump. You keep posting about it. You keep talking about it. You keep memeing about it. You keep arguing about it. We know that you love the GOP. We know that you love your fantasy team, your, intram- your uh, intramural sport, your, your whatever. We know because you talk about it all the time. You love Jesus? You might be a Pharisee if you don't. But here's the just most astonishing thing in this passage. The craziest part of this passage, the, just the most mind-blowing part of this passage, is not that Simon didn't love Jesus. The most mind-blowing part is that Jesus did love Simon. Hey, you might be a Pharisee if all of these things, and you might be a Pharisee, but Jesus loves you too. Because guess what? Jesus knew all of these things about Simon, Before he came to his house, he knew all of these things about Simon before the foundation of the world. He knew that Simon was a religious hypocrite with a great facade that everyone else looked at and respected and looked up to and that he could care less about God himself sitting at dinner with him. And Jesus said, I'll show up to his house. Hey, I'll come spend time with Simon. He doesn't deserve me. He he wouldn't deserve me even if he had his act together. And he definitely does. And everyone else looks at Simon and thinks he's amazing. I look at him and I can see right through him. I can see that he's a fake. And Jesus loved Simon anyway. Hey, the point of this message, hopefully the Lord does some diagnosis work in my heart and in yours, but the point of this message isn't how bad you are. Man, look at you. Jesus died for you, and you don't even think about him that much. You don't even pray to him that much. You don't even spend time with him that much. Hey, he's boring to you. He's an object lesson for Bible stories so that you can get a paycheck for some church. That's not the point. The point is that even when I'm there, even when you're there, Jesus loves you. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Uh, there's no person, there's, uh, like the song says, no power of hell, no scheme of man. And frankly, the, even worse than everything out there, right, all of the bad people out there, all the bad movements out there, all of uh, everything is the bad me within me that's still there. The hypocrisy and the pride and everything else. And Jesus loves Simon and Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you right in the middle of that. And it's easy for us to look at this sinful woman and say, man, she needed forgiveness and she needed grace. But really, when we look at this passage, it's Simon that needs it. I mean, Simon needs grace to even see his own problem. Simon needs grace to even see the gigantic blind spot. And he's missing the glory of God in the flesh in his house. Showing up to him when he doesn't even care that much out of all the people throughout all of time that would want Jesus to come over to their house, this guy, it doesn't even matter to him. And Jesus still said, I'll be there. I'll come there for you to show you that I'm willing to show you the truth that you need, to show you the love that you're missing, to show you who I am. And I don't know. I don't know what Simon did with this. Do you think Simon learned the lesson? He might have, he might not have. The Bible doesn't tell us. For all we know, Simon repented. For all we know, he didn't. But we've got a chance. Hey, if you look at your life and you say, you know what, that's honestly me. Hey, I can look good. Hey, my, uh, the people in my dorm think I'm the best dorm soup they've ever had. Hey, I've got an A-plus in homiletics or in uh, teaching Bible or whatever the class is. Hey, uh, I'm part of a, of a great collegiate. I'm a leader on campus. I can do all of these things. And inside, God says, I don't, I don't really care that much, man. You're, you're just a Pharisee. There's an opportunity today. God's giving you an opportunity today, not because he wants to smash you, not because he wants to crush you, but because he loves you enough to show you.